0: Welcome to the p Vine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. John chapter one, I started a sermon series
1: uh, in the Christmas season entitled The Gift. And what we've been doing is looking at the gifts that God gives us and specifically the gift that each member of the Trinity has given us. So we looked at the gift of life, kind of to start it all off, and then the Father's gift of love, and then the Holy Spirit's gift of living. And today I want to look at Jesus's gift of light in John chapter one. So find your place there. We'll read, uh, stand and read in just a moment. A company called Get Century Link put their data team together in the last few weeks and tried to determine which states have the most Christmas spirit. And so they had all these categories they ranked every state in. Some of those were online activity, some was area culture. Here's how they ranked every state and all these have different weights on them. But online activity, they looked at Google searches for Christmas movies and gingerbread houses. So they're looking at what Christmas movies that you search for, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, White Christmas, Die Hard, Christmas movies like that. And uh, then they're looking at gingerbread houses and, and shopping trends for wrapping paper, Christmas cards, Christmas ornaments, and Elf on a Shelf. Number of Christmas songs streamed through your devices and number of tweets that are related to Christmas. All that's online activity. And then they look at the area culture and they look at the number of Christmas tree farms per capita. And then they look at the amount of charitable donations in every state. And so they had all those together, they weighed them up and they're weighted them out appropriately, and they're able to determine the states with the most Christmas spirits and the states with the least. And they ranked them one through 50. Well, thought I'd share that with you today. We're not looking at all 50, but let me look at the most bah humbug states we have in America. Number 46 on the list of most Christmas spirit was Arizona, way out West, makes sense, right? And number 47 was Florida, uh, makes sense, too. Uh, number 48, California. The, I'm not going to say anything there. Number 49, uh, Hawaii. And number 50, they don't even know Christmas exists, apparently, is Nevada. Now, that is uh, Arizona, Florida, California, Hawaii, and Nevada. Do you notice something that all five of those have in common? There's absolutely no sn- chance of snow in those states. And so I think maybe that somehow uh, hurts christmas spirit although it's going to be 65 and rainy here on christmas so i don't know what we're looking forward to but what states have the most christmas spirit let's see you're going to recognize some trends here to number five alabama not a single roll tide in the whole group i mean i'm glad but i mean i just number four in ohio number three Utah, number two, North Carolina, and number one, guess who, what state in the union has the most Christmas spirit? Oh, right, Tennessee. Oh, we take a little pride in that. And so your roll, not the University of Tennessee. They actually studied the University of Tennessee, found out they had no spirit whatsoever at the University of Tennessee. Uh, um, but we'll, we'll claim the state of Tennessee a little bit, right? Right here, close to us. It's funny to me that We're measuring Christmas spirit. And the metrics we're using are gingerbread houses, trees, tweets, and movies. Gingerbread houses, trees, tweets, and movies. And we're celebrating Christmas without even mentioning the reason for the season. And the reason for the season is not a tweet or a house or a tree. The reason for the season is a person and his name is Jesus. We only have Christmas because of Jesus. We only have Christmas because of his sacrifice. We only have Christmas because some 2,000 years ago, the light of the world came into the world. Jesus gave us the gift of light. And the very person for which, whose honor, we string Christmas lights throughout our home it gets overlooked. We're in John chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One of the I am statements of Jesus in the gospel of John, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And when we talk about light, we don't mean like bright lights. We mean like understanding and moral and spiritual insight. We mean, we mean spiritual vision. We mean the light of the gospel that penetrates and enlightens hearts and minds. Jesus is the light of the world. And John in his gospel tried to explain that to us the best he could. So would you stand with me in honor of reading God's word? Let's look in John chapter one, beginning in verse number one. John 1 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone that was coming into the world. Thank you. You may be seated. All four Gospels begin by... Uh, all, all uh, placing Jesus in a historical setting. But the Gospel of John's unique because Matthew opens up with the genealogy about Jesus and it connects him to Abraham and David. And then you get to Mark and it opens up about the preaching of John the Baptist. And we dive right into John the Baptist's ministry. And you get to Luke and there's a treaty uh, to O Theopolis, Luke says. And it's a historical document that's written to a guy named Theopolis. But when you get to the book of John, it opens up in a totally different way because John doesn't open his own with a genealogy or historical context. John opens his up with a theological context. And here's what he says. I want to write a whole book to you. And I'm going to tell you about Jesus and what he did and how he acted and what his teachings were. But you're going to totally misunderstand everything I say about Jesus. if If you don't understand this, he was not just a man. Jesus was the God man. He was God in the flesh. And what you have to understand about Jesus is that he was the God-man who was bringing life and light into the world. See, if you don't understand that about Jesus, you miss it totally. If you think Jesus was a really good teacher, you miss the whole point. If you think Jesus was a really good man, you missed the whole point. If you think Jesus was a prophet, you missed the whole point. All those things may be true, but Jesus was God in the flesh, the bringer of life and light to the world. We looked at what it meant to bring life. What does it mean to bring light? Let me give you four things. Number one, the gift of light is so we can see. The Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We've already been told that Jesus was the bringer of life. Here's what John tells us. And it's so good. And by the way, we learn almost this when we get into, uh, you know, science in school, we learn that no new matter can be created. And that's exactly what John says right here, that all the matter that has ever been created has already been created. And Jesus did it. He is the creator of all life. But then he takes it a step further and says, not only is he the creator of all life, he is also the creator of all light. That light, Christ came to illuminate the way that without Christ we are in spiritual darkness that without Christ we cannot see first of all the way of salvation mankind is in spiritual darkness without Christ you know the world in which we live we're trying to always invent our own way of salvation we're always trying to invent our own way to heaven do you know there are over 300 religions and denominations in America alone and 99.99% of those religions believe this, that if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, when you die, somebody might let you into heaven that they believe there is a divine cosmic scale that if you'll just be good to your fellow man and and put all your good deeds over here on this side, that if you just keep doing enough good deeds that it'll eventually outweigh the bad one. But there's so, there's so many questions with that because good is such a subjective term. Your good may not be my good and my good may not be your good and your bad may not be my bad and my bad may not. It's so subjective that there's no divine arbitrator of that. And Christ came along and said, it's not good versus bad. Get this, good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. It is those who have trusted in Jesus go to heaven and those who haven't died and go to hell. And the only way we know that is the light of the glorious gospel through Jesus has shined into our hearts. Christ came to take away the darkness of salvation, but number two, he came to shine the light on success now, don't think, don't get hung up on success, and think of it in a worldly term or a business term. That's not how I mean it. Here, here's what I mean: that that success in life in general. That Did you know that success in life in general only comes through Jesus? If you're a Christian, I think you can agree with what I'm about to say. Have you ever noticed this? That when your life moves farther away from Jesus, from the light of the gospel, have you ever noticed that when your life gets farther away from Jesus, your decisions get worse? You ever notice that? You've seen it in other people, right? That the farther away from God they get, the worse their decisions become. He came so that we could see salvation. He came so that we could see success and that means the closer you get to the light the more obvious the right way will become. The more you let Jesus' light into your life, the better and more successful you can live. The more light, the better you can see. I'm I'm almost in my 40s true statement, true statement. I'm almost in my forties. If you don't know how old I am, then just take it for what it's worth. Don't overthink it. I'm almost in my forties. And, and a few years ago, went to the optometrist because I noticed I couldn't see very well. And uh, he said, Hey, you, ma- you made it Longer than most people make it. Most people have to go and get some form of reading glasses. And I read a lot. I read not just counting commentaries and Bibles and study books. I'll, I'll read this year, I think I'll read 35, 40 books this year just in my normal reading time. I was actually down a little bit this year. So I read a lot. And, and he said, Hey, most people don't make it as far as you do. And so They prescribe me glasses. And here's the funny thing. Uh, When my wife and I go out to a restaurant now, you ever go to a romantic restaurant and they have the lights turned down, you know, in the restaurant and we went to one the other day and it was just really bright in the restaurant. It was really good, Uh, but I still need my glasses to see. But now you notice an interesting thing happen when you're my age, almost in your 40s at a restaurant, you'll start to notice this, that when they turn the lights down, you're like, oh, great. So we pull out the menu. Here's a card. We plot the menu, and we do this. <laughs> you ever seen anybody do that? Right? You ever seen anybody do that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Right? So the romance is gone. It's like, hey, does that say chicken or possum on line two? On there, I, I can't tell what I'm ordering. You say, well, why do you pull out? Because without the light, I can't see what the order. Without the light, I might order a vegetable or something like that. Without the light, I can't see. And without Jesus, can I tell you, without Jesus, you're never going to see the way to be saved. You say, well, preacher, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be good to my fellow man. I'm going to stop doing all the things that I shouldn't do, and I'm going to start doing all the things I should do, and I know that God will have to let me into heaven, and there's just a problem with that. You're doing exactly what the enemy wants, because in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. here's what the Bible says, in their case... The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, that the God of this age is actively trying to blind you right now, and he will let you do everything you can do in order to go to heaven except this, and that see that Jesus is the only way. Jesus came so you could see salvation. Jesus came so you could see success. You remember that farther away you get from the light, the worse our decisions get. Look, you've seen that in your life. You've seen it in other people's life that when they were close to God, their decisions were better and the farther away they get from God and you listen to them talk and it just, it doesn't make any sense why they're getting farther and farther from the light and more and more in the dark. If you're here today and you're lost and unsaved and don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, listen to me. The gospel story at Christmas time tells you one thing: Jesus is the light, and the only way to be saved is through Him. But if you're here today and you are sa- and you're saved, listen. You don't say, "Well, great, I've got fire insurance and I'm going to heaven now." No. The closer you get to the light, the better your life is. The gift of light is so we can see. Number two, the gift of light is so we can show. Well, the Bible says the light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Every now and then you have fun when you're studying for a sermon and you, uh, sometimes it's just hard work and then sometimes you, you, you have these little moments like I had this week where it was fun just chasing down what the word overcome means in John 1, 5. Because some of your translations translate it comprehend or apprehend or overtake or perceive. That's definitely a, one of the definitions. But another definition is to seize or grasp, grasp or to win over or have victory over. And in the translation of the CSB I read, they chose to translate that way. It probably means both, but it definitely means that. But here's what John said, that the darkness tried to have victory over the light, but it didn't work. Why? Because the light had victory over the darkness. And John 1.5 is the verse that says this. If I can just sum it up this simply, it says we win. What do you mean? That the light of Christ that is living in your life is given to you to show the world that victory does come in Jesus. Say, what do you mean? See, the light that's within me is given so I can show the world that the light is overcoming, that light is stronger than darkness, that Jesus is stronger than the world. Why is it given to us that way? It is given to us so that we can show the world the power that comes through knowing Jesus as your savior. It's given to me so I can show the world there's victory in Jesus. Why? Because losing doesn't win people over, winning does. Nobody's ever come up to you at work probably and said, hey, I've noticed your marriage is one of the worst marriages I've ever seen in my life. How does a fellow get what you got? (laughs) Nobody ever does that. Nobody ever comes to you and said, hey, I've noticed that you live your life on the edge of bankruptcy and you're terrible with money. Tell me how to get what you've got. No, they know how to get that. Losing doesn't attract people. Winning does. Do you know this, that? When your family stands out above the rest, when your life stands out above the rest, people do say, hey, how is it you've got your life so together? The light is given so we can show a lost and dying world that victory does come through Jesus. Why? Because losing doesn't win anyone over. For all intents and purposes, for me, football season is over. The, the Bulldogs are out of the playoffs and, Tennessee was never in the playoffs and uh, Hunt and Falcons are terrible. And so I have here's my announcement today. It's about two months until pitchers and catchers report for baseball. Uh, let's just look to baseball. But I was doing a little research this week and, and I stumbled across the 2005 Kansas City Royals. On August 19, 2005, the Royals set a record that uh, they didn't want to set. They won a major league modern day era record of losing on August 19, 2005. They lost their 19th game in a row. They were horrible. They were the worst team in baseball, Let me tell you how bad they were. Some of you don't care, but I find it fascinating. Their collective on-base percentage was 320, which was 28th all in baseball that year. They finished 29th in homers with 126. Their ERA for their whole pitching staff was 5.49, which is atrocious, and it was the worst in Major League Baseball. They allowed the second most hits. They allowed the second most total bases in all of baseball. They had a whip of 1.57. If you don't know what whip is, it's walks, hits, inning, pitch, and that's terrible for one guy. It's awful for a team. Their pitching was terrible. Their hitting was terrible. Their defense was the worst in major league baseball. No starting pitcher one in double digits. They were outscored by 234 runs. And then this happened. I know this has had to happen before, but this is the only time I know about it. I didn't look up. In one season, they fired three managers, Tony Pena, Bob Schaefer, and Buddy Bell, all finished with horribly losing records. They finished 43 games out of, four, uh, out of first place. And they say, preacher, why you tell us all that? Not because I like baseball, but get this. Their attendance that year was 1.37 million. Now, it sounds like a lot of people, but for baseball standards, it is horrible. Let me, let me break it down for you. In people per game, Kansas City averaged 21,756 people per game, only eclipsed by 24 people by the Tampa Bay De- Devil Rays, who were also bad, at 21,732 people per game. You say, why do you tell us that? There's a reason they had almost the worst attendance in baseball. You know why? They were really bad. Nobody ever woke up and said, hey, let's go to a Royals game if we can get tickets. No, their tickets laying on the streets for a Royals game. You know why? Because losing doesn't attract people. In John 1, 5, here's what Jesus was trying to tell us that you have the gift of light because your victory shows the world that Jesus has overcome. What do you mean? Your victory over your sin shows the world that Jesus is the light. Your victory in your family shows the world that Jesus is the light. Your victory over your bad habits, your victory over your discouragement, your victory over the storms of life, your victory over difficult situations in your finances, all of that is a beacon that points people to Jesus. And when they say, what's different about you than me? It's not, oh, I'm great at this or I'm great at that. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Paul said in Romans chapter eight, he said, now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love that. I don't know what more than a conqueror is, but it means something really, really good. First John five, four, he said this, everyone who's been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world. Our faith, the gift of light, is so you can show the world that, yes, I have the same issues you have, but because of Christ, because of Christ, I have victory. The gift of light is so you can show. Number three, the gift of light is so we can say. Verse 80 said, He was not the light, but He came to testify. About the light. And all of a sudden in verses, uh, a few verses there is talking about John the Baptist. And here's what it says about John the Baptist in verse seven and eight, that he came to be a witness, that he came to testify and he came to testify that those three words are used. It's the Greek word martyr. The word martyr in the Greek at that day meant to bear witness. It, it, it meant to bear witness even to giving up your life. Now the word martyr in our day has taken on that meaning exclusively, but not so then the original meaning of the word was that you just bore witness. You were a testifier at a trial, or you were a testifier of something you'd seen. The Bible says that John the Baptist came for this reason, to testify that Jesus is the light of the world. And can I say this to you today? We all have a role to play in the kingdom, and that is we are all charged with being a witness of Christ, of sharing what he has done in our life with others, the gift is so we can say, Jesus is the way. You know, we, we love to talk about things that impact our life, right? You don't believe me? Find somebody, find somebody that's lost five pounds, right? Somebody lose five pounds and you say, man, are you losing weight? And what do we do? Like me too, what do you do? You're, if I ever lost five pounds, I'd say it. You know. You know what we do? We're like, yo, yeah, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm taking these pills and, uh, and I'm going to this gym and I'm doing this exercise and I'm eating this food. And we go on and on and on and on. And really in your mind, you're thinking, hey, I just want to say good job. I didn't, I didn't need the formula or anything. But we go on and on, why? Because we've had positive change in our life and we want to tell others about it. Can I tell you, that's why the lot was given to use so that it could bring that victory, that positive change in your life and you can tell others about it. That means you need to be telling your coworkers, your friends, your team, the people you influence. That means you need to be telling your family, your rec department, your school, the people around you. You need to be inviting them to church. You need to tell them about Jesus. Why you have been given the gift of light so you can say, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Jesus changed my life and I'm a witness to the saving power of Jesus. Number four, the gift of light is given to us so we can be saved and I'm finished. Verse nine, the true light that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. The word true is another interesting Greek word. It means genuine or real. It means false. It means true as opposed to false. It means genuine as opposed to counterfeit. Paul said this about Jesus, that he was the true light. He was the genuine, not the counterfeit. The true, not the false. The real, not the fake. The perfect, not the imperfect. The whole, not the broken. The powerful, not the frail. The certain, not the uncertain. Jesus is the light of the world. And get this, he's not just a light. Get this, he's the light of the world. He's not a way, he's the way. He's not a truth, he's the truth. He's not a life, he is the life and the light of the world, and his name is Jesus. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. A family in New York and a family in Australia have been in a competition for uh, several years now, and the competition's finally over, They've been competing year after year over who could hold the Guinness World Records for the most lights on a residential property. Tim Gay and his family in LaGrangeville, New York started this a while ago. And the Richards family in Australia uh, kept beating them. And finally it got all the way to 2014 And Tim and his family in LaGrangeville, New York, finally won the Guinness Book of World Records for the most lights on a residential property. And it was 601,736 lights. In 2012, they had originally won it with a little over 300,000 lights. Then in 2013, the Richards family in Australia put a half million lots up on their property and the family in New York, Tim, Tim said, hey, this thing's getting a little expensive and Ritz Cracker stepped in and made a donation so that they could top the half million mark and get 601,736 lots. Now, let me put that in perspective for you in case you think you can do that. That is 40 miles of extension cords they have. 40 miles miles of extension courts. 40 miles of extension courts to string up 601,736 lots to celebrate Christmas. Stand with me. 601,736 lots To celebrate Christmas. 601,736 lights to celebrate Christmas. When the truth is, there's only one light that mattered the gift of light that comes out of John chapter 1. All of those lights are to celebrate the light. So, my question is this morning what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the light? you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and it could be that you're here today and you're not a Christian you're not a believer and you're at church today and you thought coming to church and being a good person turn over a new leaf and trying harder would really help you in the Christian life uh, get saved and go to heaven but I'm here to tell you all those things are awesome and they're great but none of those help you get to heaven there's no scale in heaven there's only one question you'll be asked when you die by God, and that is what did you do with Jesus? And so I'm asking you that question this morning. It's the only question on the test. What have you done with Jesus? And if you'd like to be saved in that today and know that Christ is in your life and heaven is your home when you die, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. I'm gonna I'm, I'm lead you to prayer. It's not the words you say, but the intent of your heart, which is to give your heart and life to Christ. If you'd like to be saved, it's as simple as A, B, C. Here it is. A, admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins, rose again the third day. We call that the gospel. And C, call out to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to do that today, A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right where you are. Out loud or in your heart, however you want to pray. If you want to be saved, pray this. Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I know that Christ died on the cross for my sins rose again the third day. I believe that. And so just now, I invite Christ into my life to save me forgive me of my sins, to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to where you are. Chances are I may not even see you, but I want you to have the opportunity to give witness to God this morning. If you just prayed for the first time in your life, that prayer to receive Jesus, just let me know. Just hold your hand up. Just say, hey, Teenager adult. I just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus first time in my life. Just hold your hand up I'm gonna kind of scan the room a little bit. Give me just a second Somewhere around the room Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you would say preacher there's there's some people I care about and I love That I see them getting farther and farther from the lot And I see their decisions getting worse and worse And this morning, God's really placed a burden upon my heart for them. Would you lift your hand up and say, hey, I know somebody. Thank you, thank you. Hold your hand up. I know somebody, I know somebody. Wow, hundreds of hands across the room. Could be you, could be a family member, could be a friend. I get it. The invitation is as simple. Our pastors are down front, and if you'd like to be saved today, or you prayed, or you have questions, come take one of our pastors by the hand you want to join your join our church or be baptized come tell one of our don't just come kneel come tell our pastors that they'll walk you through the process there are a lot of you here this morning though that God's placed somebody upon your heart that's walking father and father from the lot and this morning you just want to come and find a place to kneel and just pour out your heart to God what a great Christmas present to give them today for you being on your knees in prayer for them for some of you it could be you however God spoke in your heart father draw us with Your Spirit as you've spoken to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.